Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM, three CR digital, three CR dot org dot AU, and three CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon through one Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, 
And, well, I think we can say today, and I'll tell you why in a second, 9 through 10 um, Australian Western Standard Time. It's a 3CR broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello to any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander people tuning in from whichever land or lands you may be on. And we acknowledge, of course, that all the lands on this continent and surrounding islands were stolen and never ceded. I'm Sally Goldner. I use the pronoun she, her. I'm your host for Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. And, well, a lot to cover today. Um, And I will raise content warnings if we get, um, probably will get to other topics in the second half of the show. But there will be talk of violence and, um, well, the issue of sexual harassment. Um, The content warning for now is there'll be mentions of, could be mentions of, I'll say, LGBTIQA plus phobia. Um, So please um, contact um, QLife, including Switchboard in Victoria and Tasmania, on 1800-184-527, or you can contact the Rainbow Door, 1800-729-367, or SMS the Rainbow Door, 0480-017246. To get in touch with the show, lots of ways to do it. Um, email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com, SMS 61456751215, tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And look for posts on Facebook on my page, Sally Golden AM and out of the pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. Remember, any opinions I express on the show are my own and not those of any organisation with which I'm involved past or present. Which leads to a disclosure for my guest today, um, who I'll introduce in a second. I have been doing some volunteering work at committee level with the Committee of Just Equal. And mention all of that because we opened, we opened with God Told Me To from Paul Kelly's Stolen Apples because um, the latest draft of the federal, well, I'll use the name it's given, Religious Discrimination Bill was released during the week. And, um, well, there we need to talk about it, I think would be one way to put it. One person who's on the line from the West to do that, and thank you for your time at such an early hour, um, is spokesperson for Just Equal, Brian Gregg. Brian, thanks for coming on Out of the Pan. Thank you, Sally, and good afternoon to 3CR listeners. Yep, good afternoon um, over here, um, well, in part of the, part of the East, um, getting there in um, South Australia and Queensland and so on. Um, and, um, Brian, you're a spokesperson for Just Equal and you're, um, well, in p- part of the western part of this large island. Um, and do you, are you just, I forgot to check this off air, but well, hopefully no, which land you're on um, or lands? Uh, I recently moved from Perth City to the southwest, so your listeners would probably recognise it as uh, uh, the Margaret River region, which is the land of the Warandi people. So it's it's a, a subset of the Noongar peoples who live through the southwest of WA, and I live on Warandi country. Thanks for clarifying that, and it's very important that we acknowledge um, all the lands we're on and keep working to reconciliation, which will have a practical Um, part of the conversation we want to have because during the week the federal coalition government released its latest version of well I'm trying to be as neutral as I can as a religious discrimination bill but um, now there are concerns about and what we want to talk about today to give an overview are um, or brief history of what where we've got to to this point um, starting say from four years ago after the achievement of marriage equality um, then, you know, where there's been things wrong in previous drafts, what is, um, we'll say, good, neutral and bad about the current version? And if we do have concerns, what can we do to address them? So let's perhaps just do the helicopter view first, starting, of course, from about four years ago. Let's just put that back on the record. Ah, well, I guess the first thing to say, Sally, is we don't, we don't, in a literal sense, we don't know what's in the current iteration. Uh-huh. We only know what what we're hearing from reported sources. But those reported sources are close to the government, and I'm referring specifically here to commentators at the Australian. The Australian newspaper is clearly the the country's most conservative newspaper. It's the most pro uh, coalition government uh, media source, and it's it also reflects a lot of the views and values of the religious right. And it's clear from their commentary over the last few days that 
there is a third iteration of this bill, uh, yet another redraft, and that the government intends to formally bring it into the parliament very soon, probably within the next week. Um, and in, in loose terms, we understand from this reportage and from commentary subsequently from Attorney General Michaelia Cash that it has been watered down, quote unquote, and I urge caution with mm-hmm. um, embracing that term too quickly because it, certainly there, it, it would appear there have been changes which lessen its impact from earlier. But that's from the perception of those people who have very right-wing views on this. Mm-hmm. So they will... the. The religious conservatives, the fundamentalists, the evangelicals won't be happy with some of the changes that have been made, but that doesn't make it a better bill or indeed a good one. So what we loosely understand is that the so-called fallout clause uh, has been watered down. So your listeners may know that one of the key pushes for this bill was frustration from the religious conservatives over the question of Israel fallout, who... Let, let's shorten a long story short, mm-hmm. but he basically was was kicked out of Rugby Australia because he breached his contract. That's the, the fact of it. But religious conservatives spin a different argument on that. And they say, no, no, he was kicked out of his job because he expressed his religious views privately and was punished by his employer for that. And that's the sticking point for religious conservatives. Um, so part of the push from the Australian Christian lobby, <clears throat> pardon me, and their supporters was to have a religious freedom bill so that people like Fallout could have the freedom to say whatever they liked about LGBTI people and simply get away with it. Well, that clause was in the original iteration one and two of this bill, but it is no longer there, or at least we understand it has been watered down, um, largely under pressure, I understand, from the business community because they were concerned um, about how this might impact on on large businesses. Um, remembering this particular clause uh, would only impact businesses of, with turnover of 50 million or more. So we're talking about very large organisations where we're talking about your ANZs and your Qantas's and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But those businesses have an extraordinarily large number of LGBTI people. And many of them over, and many of them over recent years have gone to great lengths to ensure equity and diversity programs to, you know, to, um, and some of them, like Qantas, for example, got actively involved in the marriage equality campaign. Mm-hmm. So they're very concerned about how, how much of that could be undone by having this follow clause, this loophole in their workplace. And a, a lot of workplaces, understandably, were very anxious about it. So we, are, we understand that, that has now been considerably watered down, the, the technicality of which I'm not sure because I haven't seen. Yep. But we're hearing, we're hearing that the, the full impact of that proposal is no longer there the other thing which we understand has been removed completely and this is a tremendously good thing Mm. um, is that the denial of services has been ripped out so the original bill proposed that uh, particularly in health services or health services especially so we're talking about uh, pharmacists uh, chemists doctors counselors aged care workers that kind of thing that they would have the right to refuse services to people uh, effectively that they disapproved of. So um, if you had a fundamentalist, uh, a, a Roman Catholic doctor or a hardline you know, Vatican doctor or um, a fundamentalist chemist or, or simply a nurse in, a, in an aged care home and how, who had strong views against LGBTI people, then they, on the basis of their personal religious belief, they could deny services to people in our community horrific stuff going far beyond i I imagine what is permissible in the u.s for example um or at least it it it, it's of that kind of crazy uh stuff that came out of um uh the, the mike pence bill in indiana um not wanting to confuse things too much but yeah making the point here that the so-called religious freedom movement began with the evangelicals in the US. It started as a backlash to marriage equality and it became a culture war around those two things, which the Morrison government seems keen to now want to import into Australia. Yep. Um, so, um, just so, to, I just want to throw in some examples of what could have happened under that um, you know, sort of um, health provider type of clause. Trans person goes in with a script for hormones to the pharmacist. They don't like you. Sorry, not serving you. And if you're the only pharmacy in a country town, what happens then? 
Um, well, it's a true story because of, um, Catherine Barrett's research into aged care many years ago, my people talked about, well, trans people having their hormones taken off them by aged care workers and well, um, couples will say in inverted commas, other than male or female being separated, even though they were in a relationship, many, many other things. And also bringing in that this affects broader than LGBTIQA+. We're talking women and women and abortion, um, or those who can carry children, I should beg my own pardon there, and abortions and things like that. Um, so a lot of things. So that is at least, we'll say, a step back from the abyss, so to speak, but we're still only a few metres away from the abyss. So just come, um, let's go through more of what has been, um, as you say, alleged to be in this bill that may be released this week. Yeah, so, so that brings us back to what we what we know or we can reasonably assume is maintained. Um, for, for me, that comes down to two key areas of, of particular concern. The first is the bill, uh, it is clear, will override a, a large section of Tasmania's Anti-Discrimination mm. Act. It's Section 17. And people might say, well, this is, this is odd. Why only Tasmania? And it raises a good question, isn't it? Isn't this extraordinary that the government would bring in a bill that specifically targets um, knocking over an Anti-Discrimination Act in one state alone? What's going on there? And, and the reality is this is part of the culture war. It goes back to a complaint that was lodged um, uh, under Tasmania's Anti-Discrimination Act against statements authorised by... Um, Catholic Archbishop of Hobart, Mr. Julian Porteous, who during the marriage campaign um, authorised a document that was distributed throughout Tasmania. The document purported to be a reflection of uh, canon law, a a reflection of the Catholic position on marriage, and and much of it was. But some of it was very specifically anti-LGBTI and quite nasty. In particular, it, it made commentary around the notion that uh, same-sex couples mess with children, quote-unquote. Mm. And, of course, that term um, has echoes of the language used against us when we are targeted as being paedophiles. Yep. Um, and it, it, it was a very nasty and unnecessary comment to make in the context of defending traditional marriage. I mean, um, it it was unnecessary. Now, it must be pointed out here that that very same document was distributed nationwide. So every Catholic diocese distributed that document. So why in Tasmania did it become an issue? The answer is Tasmania has Australia's best um, anti-bullying laws, if you want to paraphrase them. Mm-hmm. They have a, an excellent law where some states, including your own, I believe, have laws against incitement to hatred and vilification. But Tasmania's goes further. Uh, Tasmania has has laws against um, humiliating, intimidating or insulting people. Now, that's not as loose as you might think because these things are very um, finely tuned in terms of their definitions and, and you, you cannot uh, abuse that system. You cannot rush off to the anti-discrimination clause clutching your pearls and saying, I've been insulted. It doesn't work like that. But if you believe that something um, harmful has been done, then there is a there is a facility for that. Yeah. Um, and, and that happened over the Porteous case. And, of course, that infuriated religious conservatives because although they wouldn't say this, the reality is they hated their authority being questioned. They hated that they were on a level playing field with everybody else and were suddenly no longer above the law, unlike their colleagues on the mainland. Now, that case ultimately didn't go ahead because the person who made the complaint um, uh, withdrew it before it came to any final conclusion. But the process was interesting. Um, it's often described as the Catholic Archbishop being hauled before the uh, Anti-Discrimination Board and, and having to justify the Catholic's position on marriage. And, of course, that's a complete lie. Mm. Um, Archbishop Portis was, in fact, invited to a voluntary one-hour conciliation hearing with the complainant and the process was to talk through Absolutely. how he might con- might consider making changes to the language he used so that he could continue to express the Catholic position on marriage without demeaning same-sex couples in their families. Um, but, of course, the Archbishop refused to do that uh, because ultimately, I believe, because his, his church and his supporters wanted the fight. 
Um, and that and that fight continues to this day and is reflected in the so-called religious discrimination bill, which is now in front of us. The second and for me more concerning aspect of the bill and what mm. we understand and and parsing, you know, teasing out the, the language that we're we're seeing in the reports from the Australian newspaper is that it's clear that the Commonwealth, or it seems clear that the Commonwealth wants to have a national framework so that states and territories cannot prohibit uh, faith schools. And it's not clear if that extends to other faith-run charities and aged care homes and whatever, but certainly schools. So they cannot um, uh, be, be prevented from discriminating against LGBTI children and children from same-sex families. So, as you'd be aware, some states and territories prohibit discrimination in faith organisations against LGBTI kids, particularly in, in mm. schools. So you, you cannot discriminate against them at enrolment, you cannot expel them while they're a student, um, and same applying to uh, staff, teachers and admin yeah. staff. You cannot... You cannot discriminate against them at um, 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 what's the word when, when they're applying for a job, yeah. ap applying for a job, <clears throat> or indeed if they're already there. And of course, around the country, there are hundreds of LGBTI people who are happily working away within faith mm. schools. Um, the religious conservatives don't like the fact that some states have done this, and they're looking for a way not only to overturn that but to cement the discrimination practice nationwide mm. and it would appear it would appear that that is what this bill is trying <clears throat> trying in part to achieve so i'm aware that in in your state your premier dan andrews yep. has um, announced or perhaps introduced legislation to do this very thing to end discrimination against lgbti teachers um, in the state of victoria and it would seem that if this bill were to pass federally and be successful, that it would ex effectively extinguish that, or at least that's our understanding yeah. at this time. <clears throat> um, and that's very concerning. Well, absolutely. There's a couple of things that come in here. I mean, under the national constitution, if there's a clash between laws, federal override state, and even perhaps even more, a little more so territory. But the other thing is the ongoing issue that comes in here about statement of belief. And I wanted to come back to that in context of what you said about the employer issue, because to me, there's another angle as well as employers not being able to support rainbow pride um, type of situations and run networks or whatever else, or do that effectively, I should say. But there's also the issue of um, two people are working for an employer. Person A says to person B, your religion's silly, I don't like it. And then B says to A, now your religion's silly, I don't like yours. How the heck does this work? Whose statement of belief would have precedent? Um, so it seems very messy, and I, I can totally understand the concerns of employers. It would just create a, um, you know, an administration, human resources, people and culture nightmare. So there's all these sorts of issues that are wrong with what we are hearing about draft number three. Um I suppose this, I've got two, a couple more critical questions. What do we want? I mean, if the, the what we're hearing is accurate, what do we want um, from the point of view of LGBTIQA+, and the, many other groups are affected, women, people with disabilities. Um, I'm not sure if there are even more, but um, probably will be. Um, what do, do we want and how do we achieve it? Um, so what do we want? I mean, we're talking about what we don't want, but let's talk about what we do want. Um, in what would be a good bill, and then also if there are differences, how would we go about remedying things to achieve a better bill? Yeah. Well, I guess let's talk about the, the real politic first, and that yeah. is um, um, numbers. Politics always comes down to numbers. So how do the numbers look Never. on this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reality is, even from the government's perspective, this is very tight. Um we understand that at this point in the at this point in time, the government is still struggling, still um, working its way to get this bill through its own party room, let uh -huh. alone parliament, because there are um, a handful of um, moderates and, and backbenchers mm -hmm. within the Liberal Party who sh rightly share the concerns that many people in our community do. Um, you know, and there are a number of those in your own state, including. Um, former Human Rights Commissioner um, Tim Wilson, 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and our community had had an ally during the marriage equality debate a few years ago in Warren Inch yep. in Queensland, and he too has expressed real concerns about this. Now, we can't rely on those people entirely, but it's good to know that they're there uh, putting these views forward. Um, and I note with interest um, the, the silence so far from Senator Dean Smith from Western Australia, mm. who was a very strong advocate for marriage equality and um, uh, quite different from his, his own party a few years ago on this issue and, and helped shepherd that legislation through the parliament and, and, and yep. through his conservative community. Um, I just note with interest that he's been rather silent on this issue and I wonder if perhaps he isn't going to say something in the next few days. I'm not hinting at anything. I'm just curious. Yeah, um, so those people those people are there. Um, what do we need? Um, oh, of course, I, I must make the point too that it's incredibly disappointing and just a little bit concerning that we've heard next to nothing from Labor on this. Now, mm. I know that they're the opposition and at the moment they're saying, well, you know, we haven't seen the bill. And technically that's true. They've not seen the bill. <clears throat> but there's nothing to prevent them from expressing some core beliefs and some values. Uh, you know, where do they stand on um, a, a national framework that would extinguish existing anti-discrimination laws, uh, including those that protect LGBTI kids and teachers? Um where do they stand on the on the the concept around the follow follow our clause? And so we we never even heard anything from them at all on the denial of services when that was on the card. So that is deeply concerning, um, and we've heard nothing from the state premiers, including the Labor premiers. It's interesting that just in the last few days, the the Liberal premier of Tasmania, Peter Gutwin came out very strongly against the com- uh, this bill and against the Commonwealth override of his mm-hmm. state's laws. So we've heard more in opposition to this proposed legislation from a Liberal Premier than we have from any state Premier. That concerns me because it, it says to me that Labor is anxious about how this bill will play out in some of its key marginal seats, yeah. and we're talking Western Sydney here. Yeah. Um, so New South Wales is the most conservative um, electorate in the country and there's a large pocket of seats in and around Western Sydney which all voted no in the postal survey on uh, marriage equality um, and, and many of those seats are strongly supportive or their sitting members are strongly supportive of, of passing some kind of religious freedom bill because they believe that in some way their rights and freedoms are currently curtailed in a way which they are in fact not. So Labor is very anxious about this. Albanese is very anxious about this. And it means to this point in time, they've been very silent. So we're seeing, I think, um, a replay. Um, it's deja vu from 2004 when mm. on, the eve of, on the eve of a federal election, uh, the Howard government, the Conservative government, threw this little hand grenade into the parliament in the dying days, in the last few days of the yep. sitting before an election, to ban marriage between same-sex couples. Um, and it split and shattered the Labor Party who didn't know how to deal with it. And Mark Latham as leader, um, with the support of his party, panicked and supported it and it went through. Um, and, of course, that then became an albatross around Labor's neck for the next decade. And my concern is that exactly the same thing is that may happen here where the, the coalition, Mr Morrison, is now, he's going to throw in this little hand grenade into the parliament in the very last few days of the sitting weeks before a federal election on... On a, on a cultural issue, on a social issue, which is going to shatter and panic the Labor Party. And I'm deeply concerned that they may uh, either pass this um, or have a conscience vote on it, which would be equally bad. Because if, if Labor split on this and it was a conscience vote, then it would go through the parliament because there are enough people in both the Liberal Party and the Labor Party on, on conscience who would support this. Um, and that would be a very worrying um, precedent because it would also mean that f- for the first time ever, the Labor Party, which historically has only ever held conscience votes on life and death issues, so we're talking uh, abortion, euthanasia, now lump us into the same basket. So now, you know, the, the rights and freedoms of LGBTI people is now a life and death issue um, for perhaps for some members of parliament. So that's in the background and that's concerning. What should we be doing as a community? Look, there's a number of things, but I think 
the key one at the moment is to be lobbying our MPs. Um, they really need to be hearing from us. And, and because of the things I've just said a moment ago, I'm not just talking about government members, but Labor members too. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's my belief, particularly that in the Senate, in the upper house, it's quite possible that with the backbenchers, uh, uh, with the Greens and a couple of um, Centre Alliance, and, and if Labor were to, to join with that, if it's possible that Labor could block this legislation if they voted as a group and didn't split on conscience they could block this bill in the senate so while the problem might come from the government the solution could come from labor i think perhaps what is more likely though is that the nervous mps in both camps would rather that this was kicked into the long grass so i think what we may see over the next fortnight is that this bill is introduced <clears throat> There's a bit of media fuss around it, <clears throat> pardon me, yeah. and then some MPs kick it off to a committee which puts it the other side of the election. Um, that doesn't mean we're out of the woods, of course, because yeah. if the government is returned, we, we all come back to this again. Um, and if Mr Albanese is elected as Prime Minister, he's still going to have to deal with this in some way um, uh, to, 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 to placate a section of the community and section of his own um, backbench. So... Educating MPs around the facts of the bill is important, getting motivated um, behind our MPs um, and, and letting them know that we're watching them and that we none of us want to see what is effectively a backlash from marriage equality. We're all rather tired of doing this, I think. Yeah. Um, we're, we are sick and tired of having to, on a weekly basis, combat the religious conservatives who continue to attack the gains we've made and want to block any uh, future progress. Um, and we really need our supportive MPs to stand up for us and say, look, this is not on. This is Australia 2021. And this nasty culture war from the US has no place here. Yep. Lots of thoughts to come in there. Um, we've had a, um, a few comments in from listeners. Uh, Melina just wanted to add that doctors can't deny service under the Hippocratic Oath. Melina's other comment from a few minutes ago, which um, telepathically was tapping into your thought processes, um, Melina was watching Insiders this morning and Patricia Cavala said that gay MPs like Trent Zimmerman will be lobbying hard and looking at the bill closely. So we certainly need need that. Um, one of our other listeners has said, and I'll just um, has, well, has been somewhat critical of Tim Wilson, says I don't trust him and has more trust in Trent Zimmerman. But I suppose we've sort of got to get all the numbers we can. And the other part of it in the Senate um, is crossbenchers and, you know, sort of trying to get to them as well. Although, of course, if Labor oppose it um, and enough people from the coalition in both house, at least one house oppose it, but preferably both, we're sort of in a better position. But totally agree with your comments that, um, you know, whether this um, sort of is passed prior to the election, and I totally acknowledge what you said about 2004, agreed, so let's hope Labor learns. So we somehow need to get, you know, Labor and some of these crossbenchers to be, um, well, more calm and less nervous, I suppose, which is one thing we can do. Um, you know, or mentioning that, um, you know, Melina watched Insiders this morning. Can we access media, of course? Um, any other thoughts on effective tactics that will make sure that um, this bill is, you know, hopefully in the end defeated um, and, and as quickly as possible or um, preferably delayed and or modified to not be as extreme? I, I think, Sally, perhaps the key thing to do, and it, it's... It's simple in its concept, but perhaps harder in its execution. And, and that is simply to educate <clears throat> pardon, um, the public and our MPs that what we're looking at here is not religious freedom. Mm. It's not even religious discrimination. It's religious privilege. Yeah. The, the, the bill is framed in terms and the arguments behind it, which support it, is all framed in giving special rights to people of religious belief. And this is very dangerous um, because it's so ill so hard to define and it's so open to abuse and it's so completely unnecessary. So I think what our members of our community should be saying rightly is um, we do support a religious freedom bill. We, we, we do believe, and, and I certainly do believe, mm. that people should not be discriminated on the basis of their religion in the same way that we ought not discriminate against people on the basis of their sex or gender or their sexuality or their disability or their age or their race or whatever. That's fundamental. 
Um, and of course, we can define those things very clearly and very specifically so that they work in a sensible way. But that's not what's happening here. So instead of this bill being framed as a shield so that religious people can be protected from discrimination, it's been forged as a sword so that religious people can wield that sword and, and actively engage in discrimination in the name of their religion or their religious belief. And that's what's so wrong and that's what's so dangerous. And I think once people understand that, then they start to support where you're coming from and, and the arguments you're trying to present. I think the other key thing that I would encourage members of our community to do is to expose the, the, the rhetoric, the euphemistic rhetoric that is so often used by the religious conservatives in relation to this bill. And I'm talking here about schools and faith-based organisations because the argument you will hear repeatedly from Martin Isles, from the ACL and others, is that faith-based organisations simply want the ability to hire people in accordance with their faith. That's a euphemism. That's code for not employ LGBTI people, uh, expel gay kids, sack gay teachers. They won't come out and say that directly and specifically so they couch it in this camouflage terms of we just want to hire people who support our faith and work within our faith but of course what they mean is our faith is anti-LGBTI so that's what we need to expose um, and we need to really put the blowtorch to the belly on people like that when they're being questioned and interviewed to date in my view, they haven't been. So whenever mm. they say this to a journalist in the mainstream press, oh, we just want to hire people in accordance with their face, the very next question from the journalist must be, does that mean that anybody or any organisation who says that same-sex relationships or same-sex attraction is against their faith can then be discriminated against and then watch them squirm? Um, and, of course, the other thing too is that many of them will say, oh, no, 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 we... We, we, we don't discriminate against LGBTI people and, and we wouldn't, but, you know, we, we, we just do this to protect our faith. In which case, the very next question should be, well, would you have any objections whatsoever to a specific amendment to this legislation which codified that, which said that you can act in accordance with your faith when hiring, but that that clause cannot be used as an excuse to discriminate against LGBTI employees? Again, watch them squirm because at the end of the day, this is what this is what all of this is about. Fair enough. I think we've got it pretty well covered there, and Melina's come in with um, a message saying that um, I agree with you, Brian. Um, the culture wars is losing track. Um, uh, mentions that John Roskam left the IPA um, and had a in my opinion, had a bit of a dummy spit this week, or oh, we're losing the culture wars. Well, isn't, where's the world's smallest <laughs> violin would be my response to that. So um, definitely, um, yeah, it, it is about just getting some, tr you know, some truth and fact back into it. Any, la any last thoughts? Um, and I'll let you get um, back to your early morning in Western Australia. Sally, only the last thing I'd add is that on Wednesday of this week, so just a few days ago, Attorney-General Michaelia Cash in a public relations exercise, announced that she had written to the Australian Law Reform Commission asking uh. them to ensure that um, no LGBTI kids could be discriminated against in faith schools as a result of the religious freedom legislation which she hopes to pass. It's quite extraordinary that she would do that if you think about it for, for a number of reasons, but the key ones are these. She doesn't need to ask the Law Reform Commission to do that. Her government can pass legislation to do that. Absolutely. Um, in fact... In fact, Scott Morrison promised to do that three years ago, well, but hasn't lifted a finger to do it. Absolutely. As um, Alastair Laurie said over the weekend, 1,137 days ago and counting, yes. Yes. But there's a deeper philosophical argument here from my perspective, and, that, and that's this. Um, no journalist yet has got on the phone to Michaela Cash and said, Attorney, why does the government believe that discriminating against LGBTI students is wrong. Why does it believe it should be prohibited? I'd like to hear her, hear her answer to that because you might ex expect, might anticipate how she, what she might say. And then the very next follow-up question is, okay then, um, if you believe that discriminating against LGBTI kids is wrong and should be prohibited, why do you take the exact opposite approach to teachers? Why is it that a student 
um, who happens to be uh, transgender or lesbian or gay, um, why is it that they would be protected by your government under law in a faith school from discrimination and harassment, but not the teacher? Where do you draw the line here and how do you explain the difference? I'm really waiting for that question to be asked of the attorney <laughs> and I'll hand that over to you. Well, look, I'm not really sure Michaela's going to come on 3CR, but, um, well, um, one, maybe one day. Um, but, look, it is a, these are fair questions. We've just got to ask these tough, direct questions and get, you know, pin people down. Um, as you say, if they have to squirm, they have to squirm, but they're publicly accountable officials, so let's um, do that and make it happen. Um, Brian, um, just lastly, um, how do people get in touch with Just Equal, who you're speaking for today? What are all the modern means of communication in case they want more info from you? Oh, please just start with the website. Um, so just, um, uh, uh, just I've suddenly forgotten the website. If, if you just Google Just Equal or Just Equal Australia, you'll find us. You'll find a great landing page with some information. There's a page there in particular, which uh, points to all the people who do the voluntary committee work for us and how to contact us, um, and also some illustrations there of the campaigns we're currently working on, um, including a PDF of a brochure we produced and sent to all federal MPs expressing our concerns about this bill. That brochure now is, is some of it is outdated because of changes to the bill, but the general themes and arguments in there are for everyone to see. Yep, and we are at um, the website is at equal.org.au, um, but also on Facebook as well. Brian, thanks for your time. Um, well, um, this morning, your time, this afternoon <clears throat> over here. Um, everyone stay tuned. We'll keep everyone up to date on all of this. Thanks for your time. Um, let's keep up the work and let's make sure we get a just, equal outcome. Thanks again. Thanks, Sally. Um, Brian Gregg from Just Equal on 3CR 855am, um, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Let's have a little bit of a classic here but reworked and covered. Um, picked this album up during the week, Colin Hay doing an album of covers. Here's a track made famous by that famous um, rainbow icon Dusty Springfield and I just don't know what to do with myself. 3CR 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the pan with Sally. I just don't know what to do with myself I don't know just what to do with myself I'm so used to doing everything with you Planning everything for two And now that we're through I just don't know what to do my time I'm so lonesome for you it's a crime going to a movie only makes me sad parties make me feel as bad when I'm not with you I just don't know what to do like a summer
sang for some money, he can guarantee me a cool place to go. And all the shopping channel, they said I got a hand along a newfangled way to make my hair grow. There's a man in a long chair, swear he's a millionaire, and he's wearing to share secrets for a little dough. All the 800 number below. I can get a brand new personality via cable TV. All I need is a credit card and a telephone. I can get a brand new personality via cable TV. Operators standing by with information to better my life. Maybe then I could change your mind about me. Well, for a socket hotline I can call there and like to hear what the future holds and for a small fee they could chip to me some sort of flexing machine that I make my muscles grow there's a man in the kitchen showing how to fry chicken I can make him finger licking all I gotta do is buy his video call the 800 number below I can get a brand new personality via cable TV all I need is a credit card and a telephone. I can get a brand new personality via cable TV. Operators standing by with information to better my life. Maybe then I could change your mind about me. I can get a brand new personality via cable TV. All I need is a credit card and a telephone. I can get a brand new personality via cable TV. Operators standing by with information to better my life. Maybe then I could change your mind about me. I better hold it now and show the supply. Installments, it'll be mine Maybe then I could change your mind about me You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Three CR gives space for voices excluded from mainstream media to people who want to be heard. And to help keep Three CR on the air, you need to donate and subscribe. Call nine four one nine eight three seven seven or online at 3cr.org.au. happens. 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally, first broadcasting, new through one Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, um, or, um, well, as we heard, 9 till 10 Australian Western Standard Time. Thanks once again to Brian for coming on the show to talk about the, well, well, we have to say the possibilities included in the up and an, a likely upcoming religious discrimination bill without prejudice. You, of course, might say that, Matty. I, of course, couldn't possibly comment or something like that. Seriously, not good. Um, just reprising the music on the, far, the show so far today, we opened up with Paul Kelly and God Told Me To from the Stolen Apples album um, of... Um, of some years ago now, um, possibly about eight or ten, and since prior after that we had a track from Colin Hay doing the old Burt Bacharach number um, from an album of covers that he's just put out called "I Just Don't Know What to Do with Myself." Of course, a song made famous by um, Bicon, um, Dusty Springfield, um, which is really awesome. 
And we also had a track that came my way called Brand New Personality by Bob Stetson. Now, that's a good name for a a singer of music that could be called um, both binary kinds, country and western. And, of course, there is the non-binary type, bluegrass, as well. And I really liked that one, a little bit of fun and a little bit of a dig at personality and you know, sort of um, celebrity type of culture in a way and um, commercialism, heaven knows what else. And uh, this one uh, talks about um, Bob being uh, someone who is a zany ride for the average cowboy bloke whose beer and popcorn doesn't impress his girlfriend. As it says here from on a release that I got, um, his teacher, Deans and Couch, is inspired by info commercials to get a brand new personality. Uh, so there it is. And he's a Nashville traditional country artist, uh, originally from Quebec, Canada. Bonjour to you, in my best um, bilingual approach. Influences Buck Owen and Mel Haggard. Now, running out of time on the show today, but did want to cover a very important issue, and I will very, very much raise the content warning here. So the content warning is for violence, and I will say against a trans person. So if you, if that is of concern to you, please do activate your self-defense mechanisms once again uh, rainbow door 1-800-729-367 switchboard as part of q life around australia 1-800-184-527 first and foremost best wishes to keelan medic for a quick physical recovery which seems to be underway but also the quickest possible uh, mental and emotional recovery and also to the medic family because during the week, um, Killen Medic was assaulted in Smith Street, Fitzroy, not far probably from, in fact, not very far at all from where I am broadcasting now, um, literally metres, maybe within 500 max, and a very difficult situation. There's a lot of complexities to it, which I wish we had more time on the show today. And the thing is, first of all, assault and assaulting, well, assaulting and threatening assault are just not on. No matter how determined your views are, I don't see that as an answer for anyone of any viewpoint, politically or ideologically. And it is strongly of the belief that Keelan was being threatened for um, their political views. And, And I I listened to an interview with Andy Medic on Raf Epstein during uh, that was on during the week, and Andy says that that is the belief, and it also ties in with uh, with a research released by the Victorian Pride Lobby uh, about people LGBTI people's attitudes to police, of which there's been we'll say much intense debate online. Some people saying they weren't aware of the research, and had they been, they would have perhaps given answers that are different to the majority. This research found 80% of the LGBTI people surveyed don't trust police. Some people are saying it was distributed widely and people could have done, uh, some people are not. But um, Andy has said that the attitudes that um, Keelan's approach when speaking to police was um, my word, a wariness of police, which I would be the first to say I'm not 100% relaxed and trusting with police. I have spoken about that publicly for many and many reasons, not so much trans or a little bit, but the general aggressive attitude that a lot of police seem to have, my words, can't seem to distinguish between an innocent citizen, a motorist doing 66 in a 60 zone and you know a violent criminal. And they are different situations, and yet it seems they seem to take a lot of police at times, an element, I don't care how big or small, seem to have this everyone's an axe murderer approach, and that's not the answer. There has to be some degree of common sense and discretion. Some police do a good job, let's be fair. But when you have such a large percentage of a group, and I I need to get along, as mentioned last week, having some battles at the moment, I want to read this research in detail. It would be interesting to see how it broke down amongst, say, gay, lesbian, trans, bi, and all parts of the rainbow, because my guess, based on previous research into this, trans people are having more challenges with police than, say, cisgender gays and lesbians. That's not to deny anyone's feelings, it's there. So this is a complex issue. There is an argument to say that, as much as you might disagree with some of the anti-vax sentiment around, and to tear down a poster wasn't the right idea, 
I would be the first, if it was an outright hate speech post to saying something transphobic or racist or whatever, tear it down. Could argue, you could have argued with hindsight, would it have been better for two people to be together doing these things, tearing down those sorts of posters, if you want to do that. I don't think this is you know as nuanced as people are making out. The last issue, which I want to come back to, and again, this is a relatively, I'll call this a medium content warning, Tim Payne. Now, I'm a little mystified by this. If someone consensually sends a photo of whatever to someone else, why is that a problem? Is it that we expect high standards of an Australian um, test captain? I don't know what the issue is there, but I'm, you know, I obviously don't want sexual harassment and I've experienced it myself. I just don't think I'm still a little unclear about this one, you know, and I think that if anything is safe, consensual and of appropriate age, then, then I think we need to have a more nuanced approach to, to a lot of issues, and that's something that I'd like to come back to in a future show on many issues. We seem to be losing nuance. So very quickly, just a couple of references out of today's show, just equal site at equal.org, and follow Alastair Laurie's blog at Alastair Laurie. A-L-A-S-T-A-I-R-L-A-W-R-I-E dot net. And the latest piece put up on today is LGBT kids don't need more hollow promises. And that's where Alastair quotes that we're at 1137 days and counting. I'd better move out of here and make way for freedom of species. Lots of good animal advocacy, vegan, vegetarian uh, ideas coming up next. Thanks once again to Brian Gregg take you out today with a track that I rediscovered as I'm getting back into the big vinyl CDs and thought I'd like to play from 1982's music from the Monkey Grip album. Here's the late, great Christina Amphlett and Chrissy Amphlett up front with uh, Mark McKenty and a track called Elsie. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. Yeah.